previously on Box Cutters. Turned up to the corner. Name wasn't on the door. All these punk chicks. Did you, staring me out. Did you try saying that you were Mary Mechalakos? That usually gets you in. No, no, although I looked a lot more like her then. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 321. Hit the button, not the baton. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Glenn Peters. G'day. To his left, Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. Hello. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. And it's been Box Cutters, episode 321. Is that the whole thing? Is that the whole... No. Do we... No, no, there's so oh, much we've got more, more, Josh. We've got more. So much more. Special guest donor. <sighs> Whose name is Brendan Roberts, and he joins us all the way from Geelong, Victoria. Welcome, Brendan Roberts! Uh, thank you very much. It's just a thrill to be here. I can't believe I'm here at last. Firstly, thank you so much for uh, for, for donating. It's uh, just v- very generous. You, you were saying to us, uh, 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 let's call it backstage, uh, <laughs> earlier in the, in the night that... Uh, you did it just because you were you, you wanted to stop us whinging that no one was going to donate. Oh, you're kind of putting words in my mouth. I didn't say you were whinging, but I just couldn't believe... I, I kind of thought it was some false humility, because back in January you were saying, oh, we want to go to Texas, we haven't got the money, and we're not going to get the money. We, we've got this, you know, we've got this campaign to raise money, but we don't think we're going to get the money. And I just thought, oh, shut up. I'll just go and give you $150, you know? Like, I couldn't believe you didn't think you were going to go. So I thought, I'll just give you 150 to teach you a lesson. Tell me, Brennan, uh, how do you watch TV? Pretty much every possible way you can watch television. There's, there's no way I don't watch TV. I've got, um, I went on a cruise about a year ago and I actually took TV shows on my iPhone when I was bored with the activities. I've mm-hmm. recently got a tablet. I've got shows on that. Um, I don't really have to download a lot because most stuff's on, on the free view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've got a, a friend in the States you know, and, and one in the UK. And if I'm Skyping and the TV happens to be on, it's not my fault. If I happen to see the latest shows. Right. So pretty much always possible. Coming up later on uh, in in this episode of Box Cutters, we're going to chat to Brendan a a little bit more because he has some stories Mm -hmm. from back in the day. Uh, to to talk to us about. We're going to review the new show from the US, Last Resort. We've uh, got some letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. We've got pork with places you have strayed with Brenna Courtney Gleesbrook. It's a very long title now, that segment. (laughs) Very long title. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Properly, my understanding is that Channel 9 is going to be no more. We will have no more Channel 9, 9, Go, and whatever the other one is. Seven, mate. Jim. All gone, off the air. There's just going to be a big hole in our... It's, it's going to go It's going to go 5A, 7, nothing, 0. U. And then U for SBS. Yep, yep. Well, that was one possible scenario last week uh, as we were recording this show, which was, uh, I figure, why we didn't talk about it at all. Uh, but no, Josh, uh, it has narrowly avoided administration after a debt for equity swap uh, was reached uh, between its lenders uh, over the week on uh, Wednesday. 
Now, de- debt for equi- equity swap sounds like one of those phrases that people just throw into a news uh, a news item and just expect everybody to understand it or hope that nobody does. But what it means is Channel 9, oh, Nine uh, Entertainment had a huge debt and the people that they owed that debt to now own a piece of Channel 9 instead of Nine having to repay the debt. Now, there's there's some strange, you know, kind of shareholding thing that goes on with uh, with equity companies. So CVC had actually uh, got the debt so they could buy Channel Nine from Jamie Packer, mm-hmm. and then the debt was put onto Channel Nine. So it wasn't CVC's debt; it was Channel Nine's debt. But CVC got the the funding from various companies, and the companies now have equity in. Channel 9, uh, and they can continue on forward. Uh, I believe it was Goldman Sachs as uh, the last holdouts that were uh, a bit of a fly in the ointment actually getting that deal going. Yeah, because why would they want a piece of... Uh, <laughs> why would they want a, a piece of a flailing organisation? They do make a profit. Yeah, but for how long? I mean, that's one of the things about uh, about shares is that shares are supposed to be uh, the the cost of a share is supposed to be equal to the value of the profit that you will receive from owning that share over time. Really? Yeah, it's the old fashioned way of working it Isn't out. Isn't it about actually owning part of the capital of that company? Yeah, but you need to be repaid for owning that. You still need, you need to make a profit, right? But but the thing is, for how long? Like, for how long is Channel Nine going to last? How long is Nine Entertainment going to last? But this isn't just Nine Entertainment. This is uh, CVC Asia Pacific, which is the company that runs Channel Nine, and they run a lot more than Channel Nine. They run um, Ticketek, All Phones Arena, and a few other big companies. So was was Ticketek also in danger in, in this? I in think this they scenario? might have been. Yeah, this is all one part of the CVC deal, right? Because AACP was sold off out of Nine Holdings. To uh, their magazines, we don't yeah, care yeah. about that. Oh, to Bauer. There you go. Uh, to to Bauer, the the German group. The German group that's going to kill the logies. Yes. Yeah, they're not going to. The I, Germans. The, the logies is a drop in the ocean. They've got they've got other things to worry worry about. Fifty six years of history, Josh. The air, the air to their uh, to their fortune is running around America, shooting terrorists in the knees, trying to get answers to questions. Oh, Jack Bauer. So they they, they got they, yes. they got they got bigger problems. So Channel uh, 9's David David Gingell uh, did come out with a statement saying, "Yeah, we got a deal. Channel Nine's back. Uh, Nine's going to be a debt." Free company, which makes them the most powerful media balance sheet in the country, so he's so incredibly proud. Great, great. Because when I when I'm trying to work out what show to watch, I really want to know which balance sheet. Yeah, yeah. I, I should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's great that Channel Nine's been saved. Uh, is from, it? From the is it great? Yes. We can't not have a third commercial station. Can we just have someone then, else? Then go Channel into- Seven are going to be insufferable. Uh, they're already insufferable. Hey, you know what? At least, uh, at they're least. At least we don't have the same problems in, in Australia as they have in the UK with BBC. Uh, keeping secrets from the rest of the nation. Uh, so the BBC last week, uh, it, it was discovered that the BBC had access to information about, uh, about television presenter Jimmy Savile uh, being uh, inappropriate, se- sexually inappropriate with young people. Uh, from years ago, mm. uh, and they had access to this information at least uh, in December last year, and their show Panorama was uh, was going to do an expose. People in BBC uh, shut it down. 
It was a news night, the show that was oh, shut was it down. Oh, yeah, news yeah, night? Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. my mistake. That's okay. Uh, it's, it's Panorama that's going to show it now. Yeah, Panorama are the ones um, exposing the, the controversy. Panorama is, is, so is that the ITV show? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. see, this is what happens when I try to cover for you, Glenn. <laughs> I just make stuff. So Panorama is an ITV show that, uh, that exposed this, uh, this information uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jimmy Savile, was he a kids' TV presenter? Yes. What did he do? He hosted Top of the Pops for many years mm-hmm. and hosted a show called Jim Will Fix It, which was just a bit like Angry Anderson's Challenge. <laughs> but you still apparently have like lots of kids sitting on his knees and stuff, which yeah. in itself is fine. Um, and sure, but but in like retrospectively, now it seems a bit dirty. But at the time, it was fine. He raised a lot of money for hospitals with the proviso that he get he get to stay there, and, and, and he did actually stay he, there. He I, did I stay at the that. hospitals, um, and they've they've linked it to two hundred um, people have come out. Saying that they've been touched by Jimmy Seppel, but the 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 story here really is the BBC's cover. Correct. Now uh, the emails have gone back and forth. Things things have now come out, and uh, and the the and uh, BBC this week is going to be having a, a program about uh, the cover up or about Jimmy Savile. I think about the cover up and Savile. So Newsnight, we're going to report. And they went all the way to their top editor um, and they said right at the end, uh, this is all swaying on one one witness and we don't have enough on this one witness. But there's been many reports beforehand that Jimmy Savile was suspect. So, and everybody inside knew that he was suspect. So, they put a... They froze Newsnight, and it was going to be a show, and it wasn't to be a show. Um, and they, one of the things, I don't think this is going to come out with, we can't have this because we've got a few uh, Jimmy Savile tributes coming next week. I think that's going to be a consequential thing that's happened. I, there is no way a human being would say, you cannot expose this guy as a serial uh, rapist. Uh, before, because we've got some great shows about him in the December lineup, it's not going to happen that way. This is just, it's, it's no. You, you, you think you think humans are inherently too good to let something as evil as that happen? <laughs> I think they may be a little too good. Uh, one of the heads of the BBC, it might be Simpson, the big head of the BBC, just said on the way here uh, that. All we have is... Did you have him in the car? Yeah, I had him in the car. Um, He was navigating. And he said that all we have is truth and we've lost that with this story. Um, This is very, very... I don't think there's a precedent in television history. Uh it was it was it was John Simpson, John Simpson. Uh, who was uh, BBC foreign uh, foreign correspondent, said this is the worst crisis that I can remember in my nearly fifty years at the BBC. I don't think the BBC handled it terribly well. I mean, I think it's better to just come out right at the start and say we're going to open everything up and then we're going to show everybody everything. All we have as an organisation is the trust of the people the people that watch us and listen to us. And if we don't have that, if we start to lose that, that's very dangerous, I think, for the BBC. Um, So also, it would kind of... I think Australian networks could learn from this. 
I'm not. I'm going to draw a fairly long bow mm-hmm. and say, "Hey guys, it's okay to um, investigate yourselves." Which uh, Media Watch says that it does, that it investigates within within the ABC, uh, and other uh, other organisations say that that Media Watch gives the ABC a, a gentler run. Uh, but I, I I concur. I think the uh, that, that just being aware of what is happening within your own organisation is is important for a start. Uh, making it uh, making it open is is better. We we saw with uh, with, with Channel Nine uh, years ago in the Eddie, Eddie Maguire years uh, with all of those closed door discussions uh, and what is now the Macquarie definition of misogyny uh, being uh, being exposed. And if there was a greater uh, a greater sense of, of openness in the industry those discussions would have never happened anyway. Uh, this thing that Simpson says about uh, having trust and trust being the only thing that the, that the BBC has uh, is, is really important. I think it's, it's part, of the, part of the relationship that uh, a channel has with its viewers. There is, there is an element of trust that is built up there. And if they want to be a, a news channel like Channel 9 uh, wanted to be so, so many years back, there is a, an element of, of expectation that uh, that they will be honest with the news. Uh, if they want to be an entertainment channel like uh, Channel Ten was, there's an element uh, of of trust there that they are going to provide good entertainment for uh, for families and and people. To, so so that there's people can feel safe turning on a channel and knowing what to expect. I think that's a that, that's a large part of of what's at play here, and that is the box cutter's news. I'm Captain Marcus Chaplin of the USS Colorado. My submarine was ordered to fire four nuclear ICBMs at Pakistan. Captain, are you refusing the order? I'm not going to annihilate four million Pakistanis without hearing directly from someone whose authority I recognize. Mbanku is missing our position. Place for impact. Our own people tried to sink us. We do not recognize or obey a government that tries to murder its own. We can't hide from the entire U.S. Navy forever. Dad, it's me. When you learn what happened, I hope you're proud of us. Sam, is that you? It's me, baby. I'm okay. Two birds heading our way. D1 bombers. We need to change the game. You've been warned. Last Resort. Series premiere Thursday, September 27th on ABC. Brett Easton Ellis, in an opinion piece about Charlie Sheen's public breakdown last year, identified the difference between empire and post-empire. His definition is kind of more, more a list of examples, like, Glenn, you remember uh, Susan Sontag's Notes on Camp? Mm. Right, it's just a, a list about things that are... That, camp? Not camp. It's essentially that, that game. Well, this is uh, empire, post-empire. Uh it's not entirely clear from just reading his uh, his article or opinion piece uh, what the, the his definitions are, but there is this one sentence that, that gives us an idea. He says, post-Empire isn't just about admitting doing illicit things publicly and coming clean. It's a, for now, radical attitude that says the Empire lie doesn't exist anymore, you friggin' Empire trolls. Again, not very clear. What he means, but you get a little bit more of a sense about it. And, and when pushed about the subject live on stage with Alan Bro in Melbourne last year, BEE, 
uh, expanded that the time of the USA empire is over and we can now see its demise already being reflected in popular culture. That's his thesis. Last Resort is the new show by Sean Ryan, the creator of The Shield, and it's the first ever representation of post-Empire sensibilities I've seen so clearly enunciated on the screen. Uh, Andre Brower, who is always a pleasure to watch in pretty much everything he does. He plays the captain of a submarine. Uh, Orders come from an Antarctic substation to launch a nuclear attack on Pakistan. The captain questions the orders, and that's where we see it. A high-ranking officer in the U.S. Navy is suspicious of the integrity of the empire he once served. We've seen government conspiracy shows before. Uh, 24 had people inside the White House, including, in one series, the First Lady engaging with terrorism on its own soil, and prison breaks... uh, do you remember Prison Break's propelling plot, Brett, with the with some ridiculous? I wandered away uh, before the mystery was revealed. That was like episode three, Brett. I thought you liked it. You were sticking with it. Uh... I did the first season. Yeah, it's in the first season. What? Yeah, that's in the first season. So it's some. It, it, it is some it's forgettable, ridiculous grab for power within the government. What we haven't seen, though, is is a story in which every single interaction is about questioning authority, loyalty, and integrity. Last Resort tells us that there are new rules we need to play by. This is a new world, and nobody knows their place in it. The submarine itself is trapped by U.S. naval vessels off the coast of a small South Pacific island, inhabited by the most ethnically diverse set of islanders ever. An Aussie? Maoris... Samoans, West Africans, Australian-based Eurasians, and French Caucasians all call this island home. It it is the furthest point culturally, if not geographically, from US empire as possible. I find everything to do with the submarine and island on Last Resort naturally impassioned and, and quite watchable, if not as weighted in emotional stakes as The Shield was, which everyone knows I loved a lot. Unfortunately, though, there, there's a subplot set in the US in which an engineer and lobbyist who invented a MacGuffin prototype that's installed on the submarine is trying to run her own investigation into the orders given to the sub and the shitstorm that has followed. She's played by uh, Autumn Reza, who fills the, ro- the role with what I like to call acting. <laughs> she acts a lot and, and makes sure, she makes sure it's in every scene that she's in. Her style doesn't fit with the rest of the cast who maintain their composure even in high tension scenes. You know what she's like? It's like she's in a tryout for a Sorkin show. It is. It is like she's... she's everything. Everything is the most important thing. I need to brush my hair right now. I need to have sex with... Oh, no, I can't have sex with you right now. My phone is going off. Oh, my God, the phone. The ringtone's so loud. Pakistan is fucked. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot to recommend Last Resort, but after only four episodes, it, it already feels like when a, a show begins with such high stakes... The only place for it to go is, is towards ridiculousness. So I, I, I'm enjoying it thus far. Autumn Reese's acting aside, I just, I just don't know. I, I, I can't see myself being fulfilled by it. But, Glenn, and I'm sure you're going to be shocked by this, I think Brett likes it. Brett, 
I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was great. Andre Brower basically gets me in, and uh, and once once we start off, and it's not it's not a typical uh, box cutters rule of three uh, type show where we're slammed straight into into the action, and from that opening ten minutes, I'm hooked. It's it's very watchable stuff. Um, and there's a lot of power plays, and um, but uh, with within, I'm not going to do a. It's not a spoiler, but within 20 minutes of the first episode, Pakistan gets bombed. Never and, heard from again. And in passing, millions of people are dead. Now there's a lot. But that's of not good, part of the storyline. So there's <laughs> we, a lot we don't, of good. We don't need to care about what's going but, on over in Pakistan. I think I think that's Glenn's point. <laughs> So That's, millions of people are dead. But so why is I, it a criticism? I, it's okay. It's okay. I've I've come here to save last resort, <laughs> and I've got a subplot, and I'm I'm going to describe to you the first scene, um, where 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 in the city, where in Pakistan. Side story. Side story. Pakistan. The smell of fire, burnt skin. A yellow haze, people in groups, limping slowly, naked, dripping muck on skin, clothes burnt, death everywhere, piles of it. Nobody speculating in bars, nobody power plays for control here. The buildings are fucked. Wasim, five-year-old boy, quietly. Yusuf? Yusuf, are you there? That's my subplot for last resort. <laughs> so is that so just that, is that just is that just one one scene, just one scene, and then we never see Pakistan again? Or that's the first one. That's the first one, and then we see the the you know, Yusuf. He's not dead, but he's he's been no. he's, he's somewhere else. And so Yusuf, Yusuf, Yusuf is dead because his <laughs> face has been burnt off by a nuclear weapon. <laughs> he is dead. And his family and everyone he's ever seen in his life is dead. Are they all Taliban? I I uh, I have to say, Glenn, that while while I'm finding this very humorous, I think you're right. I think that would save Last Resort. I think that's that's putting a level of of realism and uh, and 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 also being true to the post empire nature of the uh, of the plot, where you know, America is now uh, just a, a sad grasp for what it once was. There, there is a moment in just in the the fade out to the scene, and you see a TV in the back corner playing, and there's fires in Pakistan. Now the cameras wouldn't have got to Pakistan because they'd be all fucked by now, because <laughs> everyone would be dead but within thirty kilometres. So, so, so hold on. Need- and while that is happening, a really good-looking, muscly guy is getting consoled by a neighbour's actor saying, I did this. Isn't it actually a home-and-away actor getting consoled by a neighbour's actor? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm I know sure the name. Yeah, it could be both. Um, but we, we know that that death and destruction has happened in Pakistan, but the issue at hand is actually the, the corruption that's gone on with the Secretary of Defence, surely. Not and, fucking and why, good enough. Why have we got a blue-on-blue Not blue fucking attack? good enough. Yeah, it's it's just look. I love good entertainment, but millions of people are dead. You know what's happened to this fucking world? (laughs) 
Are you if, are you angry? I, I can't tell. Are you are you bit are you bit, I, a bit angry? I'm angry with myself for enjoying it. Well, this Andrew, is, it's I, it's hard, is it? Because it's it's an enjoyable show. I'm angry for Pakistan. It's a big country with a lot of fucking people. Millions of them are dead in this show. I'm angry. Like, what the fuck is going on in these shows? Pakistan is just a place where terrorists live and people die. So, so are you saying are you saying that my thesis about the, the show is wrong and it's it's not actually post empire because we're not concentrating on America's uh, impact on the rest of the world at all? Perhaps your no, perhaps your theory is correct, but I think it pales into significance yep. when we have a uh, a developing world really battling right now. So isn't it Andre Brower that's the one person that's standing up for the rights of Pakistanis? No, he start he started he's he's he char- was the one that refused to fire on Pakistan. His character, Captain he Chaplin. Did. Uh, is the, uh, the the the, first, the the one who refused to fire on Pakistan, but not because uh, poor Pakistan, I'm not going to do it, but because something didn't seem right in in the chain of command. I'm sorry, Captain Chaplin. Mm. Oh, very witty that they've called him Chaplin. I'm sorry, Captain. Chaplin, he doesn't wear a hat. But or if have you're a cane so concerned for people, why are you? Why do you work in a nuclear submarine with fucking nuclear warheads pointed at Pakistan? If you don't want that, don't work there. It's a <laughs> shit job. You're going to be killing people, millions yeah. of people. And like they're carrying on about chain of command on a fucking desert island. No, but here's, here's, here's the thing. That's, that, that is vital to... To, to the show, he is prepared to fire weapons at a country that that is actually a, a threat that they are actually yeah. at war in. He is prepared to do that. It's not the fact that it's Pakistan. It's not the fact that it's a developing country. It's not the fact that he's making a judgment call on whether or not somebody deserves it. Yeah. He's making a judgment call on whether or not the orders are are. Uh, Appropriate. So, whether or not the the orders are are legitimate, thank you. And that and that's the problem because the stakes are far too high. They should have just like done a bomb on on something where not millions of people die. Like just I don't know, attack a ship that could show some threat that a war could start. You could write that. It could take you an hour. Except, Except that. Except that you need. So so the whole the the whole point of of the first episode is to show. Uh, where the system fell down. Yeah. So the fact that then another ship launched a nuclear missile against Pakistan is, yes, an important part of the story, but not where our story is. That's where Aaron Sorkin's story is. Aaron Sorkin would do an episode of the newsroom about uh, how do we report the nuclear attack in, in Pakistan? How do we report that our own country attacked a, attacked another country? That's... That's an Aaron Sorkin episode. The The story here is about uh, how does something go this wrong? Yep. And, and, that's, and that was a fun part of the show. It's, it, it is, it's a really fun part of the show, which is why all the stuff in America is so terrible. And, and John, I think, in our news uh, room episode, he spoke about... I'm only just bringing up this point because it supports me. <laughs> How vapid of me! But he did. Um, he did speak about the episode with the the uh, the shot politician. 
Yep. And he said, I don't like using uh, a real event or something as a plot device where people would die. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the point I'm making. I don't think being using uh, a bomb on Pakistan as a plot device, that far outweighs the entertainment I'm getting from this show. So, so you're, you think that even though it wasn't the characters that we're following who ultimately did bomb Pakistan, uh, that it is... No, perhaps if they actually did have a face-melting episode... Yeah, that or, so, something that acknowledges the the terror so, so that that it is it is a disaster more than someone being rotten. It is a disaster so far beyond uh, the the tiny little power plays that are going. Correct. On here. So then, whatever's happening in America in bars where people are discussing things, you know, flighty about speculating and doing all their stuff about power plays, that's all irrelevant in disaster time. We've all been around a disaster. Like, remember when the... Okay, not millions of people, but when, when the bushfires happened here in Victoria mm. a few years ago, um, there was a pallor over the way we spoke about things. So, we so, didn't care about a relative on a ship or something like that. We were just down. So you're saying that the, the callousness that... Because I think it's fair enough that the, the military people on the island are having their own uh their own trauma mm. right they they have gone through years of training and living a certain way and now that way of life is they discover it to be a lie uh so they they're going through that trauma plus they're not as uh, bombarded with media as people in the US are you're saying that people in the US are going about their lives like a nuclear bomb never dropped on Pakistan correct Okay, that's 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 a really fair uh, assessment. I'd I'd not picked up on that because every single bit that happens in the US is so full of acting that <laughs> I just I, I I found that that part of it unwatchable. Now I'm not asking for everything to be realistic because that's not even stupid of me, but just a little bit of respect. Yeah, that's all. That's that's fair. And. Everyone's so good looking in this show. Well, uh, you know, p- p- particularly uh, the the XO, who's, who's played by Scott, Scott Speedman, uh, who people might remember as Ben from Felicity, uh, young heartthrob. Who you know, nothing really happened with him, and then he uh, turns out he joined the navy and uh, and was in a submarine for for ages. He and climbed through the ranks pretty. And quickly we were going to get a weird so. subplot. I don't think it's going to happen about um, sexual harassment on a na- on a boat. No, they're very quick, very uh, careful not to get into. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like being a bit issues. satirical about you know people raped on boats. There is uh, there is a uh, Dijon Latchman or Dijon Latchman uh, who Luckman. Uh, uh, people might remember uh, as one of the dolls from uh, from Dollhouse. She's uh, an, an Australian and uh, she is uh, she's in the cast as well. But there's also look out, he's a Terminator, Robert Patrick. As Cobb uh, as, as the uh, the chief of boat, uh, who uh, can also turn himself into liquid metal and walk through walls. Amazing. I'm not sure why he didn't just leave the. the I don't, I don't know either. I, I kept I kept asking. It's it's a very entertaining show. Do you, Brett, do you see my problem of if the stakes are so high, where can they go from here? Um. No. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> 
I, I do. I, I, I think they'll be... How many episodes is it due to have? I, I don't do know. know. There's speculation that it might not oh, make, 13. Through, make it through. Yeah, so... so from you. Glenn, you... No, no. from... No, from, uh, <laughs> from the Atlantic, wasn't it? Yes, That's from the Atlantic. Asked. That it's, uh, it's, it's on a hiding to nothing. No one's watching this show. Unfortunately, like a lot of people are illegally downloading it or downloading it through Hulu, but no one's actually watching it when it's on TV. So our discussion that goes over every segment is affecting um, this bit, <laughs> lovely bit of war porn. My, uh, my, my favourite bit from this uh, from this article in the Atlantic, which we will uh, we will link to in in the blog, uh, is last resort another high profile failure for the alphabet because it's on ABC. Uh, the Andre Brower slash Scott Speedman. Brackets, poor Ben. <laughs> That's, I, just, I love it. Scott Speedman is going to be Ben forever for anybody who watched Felicity, which was a good show, and I defy you to set, tell me it's not. That's Felicity. I, it's I on Channel Felicity 7. from that, not, not Scott Speedman. Ah, oh, he was Ben. Uh, that's uh, that's last resort. Uh, Brett liked it. We, we all we all enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, uh, but we you know you you know I've enjoyed it with caveats. I, I felt dirty. Like you, you know they didn't actually drop bombs on Pakistan for this show. It's not like luck. Huh? Did they drop where, bombs on Pakistan they, they, they in luck? Because I missed that. I missed that subplot in, in entirely. But that explains why the show stopped. Last resort, it's due to be on Channel 7 in Australia next year. 2013. If, uh, if it does last the season on ABC in the US. Got a postman. Have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Brendan Roberts, you, uh, you you sent us an email saying, "Look, I know you don't like doing prep, yep, but uh, I've I've managed to do a lot of prep on your behalf." And then you started to just talk about your life and how your whole life has been prep for for this one episode of of Box Cutters. It has. It's been fifty years of sitting in front of the television and watching shows. And you don't look a day over thirty eight. Thank you very much. No. Uh, I'm so exactly the same age as Dylan McDermott. Exactly. Really? To yeah. the day? Yeah, so exactly the same day. And I didn't mind that when he was in the practice, but after um, American Horror Story, I'm kind of glad I also share with Seth MacFarlane. Right. Mm. So, so you get you you almost you almost get to host the Oscars. Yeah, almost, yeah. That's good. That's good. Good. I hope you do. I hope you do well. We're close. I hope you do well. Uh, I, uh, I look. I'm. I, I'm intrigued by a number of things that you uh, that that you say in in. In this email, you uh, you've worked with Noel Ferrier. Yes, I did two weeks with him on a breakfast radio. Uh, he was just filling in. It was just the best two weeks ever. He was amazing, and I'd grown up on blankety planks. My my first uh, in piece of independence when I got a job and left school was to have a TV in my room, of course. And I used to watch blankety blanks every night, and then to be working with him, you know. 12, 15 years later, it was awesome. So you you were telling us earlier that you had watched uh, IMT back in the day? I didn't really get to watch it. I was too young, but but I was intrigued by it because mum and dad always talked about IMT. Everyone talked about IMT. We'll get the dishes done. We'll watch IMT. What did Graham do last night? But And I used to think, what is this IMT? So one night I actually stuck out, snuck out of my room and lay on the floor outside the lounge room door to see if I could hear what, what it was about. But all I could hear was laughter. And it made it worse because I, what are they laughing at? Mum and dad were laughing. The audience was laughing. So, but, but, but I was allowed to stay up one night when Humphrey B. Bear was going to host IMT. 
which is just an amazing concept. What would he do for an hour and a half? I just, I, I had to know. And I was allowed to stay up and then the television blew up that afternoon and they wouldn't hire another one for the night and I never saw it. I don't know what he did. Maybe someone can write to you and tell you. I'm, uh, I'm most intrigued, though, with your uh, cringeworthy <laughs> Portia de Rossi story. Yeah. I was on All Star Squares. Do you remember that show? It was like a revamp like, of Celebrity Squares yeah, yeah, yeah. about Fantastic. 10, 15 years oh, ago, uh, hosted by Dano. Yep. And uh, I always thought if that show comes back, I want to go on that show because it looks like the one that would be pretty easy to play. It's not. It's fucking hard. Um, <laughs> is that is that with the like three rows? Three rows. Yes, you yeah, play, yeah. It's tic tac toe. Knots and crosses. Circle gets the square. Next question. So I had to go up. You had to go up like every week, and that, and the way that game works is it's a female and a male contestant, and, and you have to keep going up until a guy loses, and then there's five of you, so you just keep going up, and it's just nerve wracking. Well, they did a week of special shows. I think the ratings were pretty bad, mm-hmm. and they brought out Portia De Rossi. She was the center square. Was that her name at the time? Yes, yeah. Yeah, she was Porsche then. And uh, she was in um, Ally McBeal. Right, so she, she was already... She was, she was a, a star, she was big yeah. stuff. She's actually Mandy Rogers from Grovedale, you know. Mm, that, yeah. 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 Um, Mandy from Grovey. Mandy from Grovey. And uh, anyway, look, everyone knows when you play tic-tac-toe, and even the producers, they give you a little pep talk beforehand. You don't ever go the centre square, because in that game, if you go the centre square and you lose, then, then it goes to the other player. And it's a pretty important square. And just the way that it was going, I either didn't get the chance to go first and pick her or whatever. Anyway, I'd never picked her once. And you, I cannot look at that any show with her without seeing her looking daggers, daggers at me. Because <laughs> she'd come all the way out and I didn't pick her once. And every time I looked at her, she was just glaring at me. And they actually said what an awesome show it was. Because I, I think one game went the whole show. It was just really tense. Anyway, um, I've got a bit of a advice for you. If you're ever on a quiz show and you lose, leave straight away because they stuffed up a question and it turned out that my champions were Uncle Harry and John English. They said this this guy was dudded on this question. So instead of getting the hell out of there, I was ringing people and telling them how I did. If I had got out of there, it would have been because they would have brought me back for another week or something. It was just bad. It was a bad vibe. There. Anyway, they brought me back out. I won a pen for, for losing the first night. Then I lost again. And uh, everyone laughed when Tim Smith called me two pens, Brendan. Oh, I know. It was the most embarrassing. Tim Smith embar- like that. That's Tim Smith yeah. thought he could joke. <laughs> Tim Smith is one, is one of the greatest sit by the side laughers, though. Yeah, he's, he's really good at he's, that. He's, he's really good at that. That's a, that, that is a, that is a great story, two pens, Brendan. That's that's what we're going to call you from now on. And what the other thing was, that about halfway through the episode, the first episode, that one of the PAs came to me and said, can you please put your knee in? Uh, <laughs> and when I looked at look, I didn't look at it for 10 years, but when I looked at it back for the whole half, first half episode, my knee was sort of st- sticking out and going up and down. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't notice it till I guess, halfway through the episode. It was, it was a sh- shambles. I think I was responsible for that show ending. it. <laughs> Brandon, thanks. So that that is that is a little bit of joy. Thank you that you've uh, that, that you've brought into our lives. This is uh, letters to box cutters, where you send us your comments, and we get Brett Cropley to read them out in his best reading voice. David Ashton on the blog wrote, "I was willing to go along with the crazy sci-fi premise of Revolution, but my heart sank when one character asked why he should help Charlie, and she whines because we're family." 
I think one of the reasons Terranova and Falling Skies were such damp squibs is that they were so concentrated on families that the exciting sci-fi premise, Dinosaurs, Alien Invaders, had no thematic connection with the character conflicts. Teenage daughter is dating a guy dad doesn't approve of. Younger son wants to help with grown-ups. In Lost, for example, the philosophical themes, predestination versus determining your own fate, was reflected in the series' premise. Magic Island seems to be manipulating the characters' lives and the character conflicts. Locke versus Jack was all about accepting a prepared destiny or fighting against it. Jack versus Sawyer was about working together versus taking for yourself. So it never feels irrelevant when they are arguing about who controls the medical supplies or whatever, because it's thematically unified. Whereas Charlie's abandonment issues in Revolution have nothing to do with the electricity not working. I think he, he, he makes an excellent point there. Mm. These shows, a lot of people would be looking at them going, well, what's the difference between this and Lost? And I think the, the difference is Lost had a unifying theme and you people are just lazy. Which, you know, was a much shorter way of saying what David just said. Mm. It's, uh, now, uh, this, uh, this, this next letter uh, came directly to John Richards, ah. uh, but addressed to all of us. Dear Box Cutters, my name is Terry Blass. My favourite episode so far was a recent one regarding Revolution and the Bechdel test. You'll find that in episode 320. I was surprised that no one mentioned the show that, for me, passed the Bechdel test with flying colours. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. When Buffy began, its main cast had more women than it did men. These women, while they did discuss men, had more conversations about family, magic, problem-solving, science, money, power and social issues. It showcased many powerful women over the course of its seven-year run, even in the show's finale. A great episode about women and power, Buffy tells a crowd full of girls that they will defeat the evil facing them with the help of a woman even more powerful than herself. I'd be curious to know what some females in the Boxcutters family think of Buffy. I'll be listening and downloading every episode, and upon your recommendation, I have told three friends about the show and told them to tell three more. Thank you, Terry Blass. I, lo- I love that, Terry, not, not only because it's, it's uh, an informative and, and well, uh, well-opinioned letter, but also because it turns box cutters into the chain podcast that I've always wanted it to be. Yes. If you fail to well, carry on the show, terrible things will befall your family. We're going to be sending the podcast by badly typed letter later <laughs> on. Chain letters were always annoying. Box cutters just gives you pleasure. We do have one female in the uh, in 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 the studio tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, Brenna Courtney Glazebrook could tell us her thoughts on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think it's a tremendous show. I think that they, you know, Buffy was this kind of like, you know, this hot chick, but she also had this super strong power. And I guess Buffy the Vampire Slayer started, you know, around about, was it early, late 90s, like 96, 97, 98? So so one of those, it was a year. It was was a year. It was definitely a year. But it was around about that time of like, you know, the Spice Girls had come out and it was all very girl, everything was very girl power. And um, like, I must admit, I sort of came in and out of Buffy. I've always really enjoyed it. But, you know, I think they had 
really, you know, eventually Cordelia, who was just a piece of fluff, you know, she still ended up being a piece of fluff, but she, you know, had a backbone and she became a fighter and, you know, she fell for the wrong guy and, you know, and then Willow became, um, she was a lesbian and she had a, a great girlfriend and they practiced magic together and were extra powerful and then you know there was dawn and um buffy's mom and so yeah it was just this huge like i didn't actually think about it until i read this letter about 20 minutes ago but yeah there was um a lot of powerful women involved and they're all and they all weren't talking about men which is fantastic so there you go terry 100 percent of the women in uh, the box <laughs> studio thinks uh at this moment thinks agrees with you yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, lastly, a, 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 it seems like a tweet. I don't know. Brett? Uh, more Bechdel comments from Angela Boxcutter. Regarding, Regarding sex, sex in the city, city they, they talk about, about shoes a lot. Does, does that, that count? count? Which means they may pass the test, but still employ gender stereotyping. Hmm. Confusing. Well, well given opinion. That's uh, letters to Boxcutters. If you want to share your opinion, please send us a letter to hooray at boxcutters.net. By letter, I mean email. Yes. Hooray at boxcutters.net. There is also a contact us link on the website at boxcutters.net where you will be able to uh, just, you know, fill in a form and send it to us. We get it. We get everything. We try to reply to everything. Or if you're too lazy for that, just tweet at us at boxcutterscast. Or there's also the Facebook page, the uh, Boxcutters podcast Facebook page. You can really get to us in all... Just stop us in the street. Yell out some opinion to us and run away. Come to my house. Yeah, go to Glenn's house. Yeah. Okay. Just, you know, not even talk about television. Just talk about, you know, footy and great marks footy, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's yeah. all it talks about in my house. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's a new series of Amazing Race on uh, the... Currently, Channel 7's airing at Monday nights at 10pm, and they are up to date. US? US Amazing Race. How, uh, how far in is it? Uh, episode is it too four? late for me to get on board? Episode 4? No. Okay. No, it's not. Once again, my uh, powers of deduction, amazing. You, you know, by, by the end of the opening credits of the first episode... I like home. to have picked whoever is going home at the end of the first episode. Yep. So far, I'm like... Banger. Three for four in that. And that fourth one, they're eliminated the next the next leg. I'm, I'm doing pretty well with my uh, with, with my Amazing Race guessing. It's because you pick the ones with a limp, don't you? No, no. There's, there's, actually, there's actually one... Uh, th- there's actually a, a team in this series who... Uh, one of them has no feet. Uh, okay. She she uh, she has she has prosthetic feet. Oh well, she'll be and, very fast. And I, well, that's what I said. I said she's 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 going to be uh, she's going to be really fast. No, she's she's fine. It's just there is something that I, I can see into these people's souls and realize that they just don't want it enough to work together. That's fantastic. That's a it's it's a little it's it's a skill I can't use anywhere else. You can read minds. No, can't read minds. Just I can just see inside Amazing Race contestants' souls when they're on television. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. It's, it's not a great mutant power. It's, <laughs> it's all right. Glenn, what, uh, what would you watch? Uh, the third and I think final... No. Is it finished? Jack Irish. Or if it's finished, watch it on iView. I loved it. I love it. 
Oh, is it, is it a series? I think I, I didn't tape the second one. I'll have to watch it on iView. I'll just watch it on iView because uh, because it's an ABC one that they've really pushed. It'll be on iView for ages. Like 30 days or something. <laughs> 30 days. I really, really liked it. Pity, I went down to Napier today expecting to see John Flaus at the bar, but he wasn't there. That that annoyed me. No, John Flaus is, uh, is, is... He's in Castleman. Yeah, li- no, living, no, with, living no, with Brett's mum. No, he just sits oh, in so, the bar. So is my understanding. <laughs> Pretty much. And there's all these places, you know, oh, wow, I've drank there. Oh, wow, I've dumped a body there. It's fantastic. I love it. Brett, one thing. Uh, now, I did neglect to say that uh, I'd been watching Last Resort with my uh, ex-US Navy housemate. So uh, he's, he's got himself a fast <laughs> sub. We're going to go over to the States and uh, watch episode five of that over the week. <laughs> and uh, Brendan Roberts, have you, uh, have you got anything you would watch this week? Yeah, I think I'll Skype my friend in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and get him to put the laptop in front of Dexter. Right, mm. right. Just uh, just before we uh, we uh, we'll go through some, some pork and then uh, some uh, places we've strayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Beaumont, we are calling for Daniel Beaumont. Who's Daniel Beaumont? Daniel Beaumont is a uh, is is a, a donor who who donated one hundred fifty dollars to the Box Cutter oh. South by Southwest Fund. Has been uncontactable since uh, since donating. So we have his bag, we have his badges, we have uh, his spot on the show. And uh, and cannot get in touch with him. You know, I'm sure I'm sure we got a lot of things wrong in this episode. How how would we even find out, Brett? If uh, if we did, uh, if we needed uh, up to date uh, true information, we would go to Brenna Colley, Glazebrook. The places you've strayed with Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. All right, Brenna, where uh, what what did we get wrong? Okay, firstly, firstly. What did we say that didn't make you just rush out of the room in in shock and disgust? (laughs) No, I'm honestly a bit ill at the moment and I was about to have a coughing fit and I didn't want the good listeners to have to deal with my gross cough in the background of you three fine, upstanding gentlemen. So it was nothing to do with you. It it wasn't you, it was me. That's why I left. I always say that, Josh. I always say that. It it is always that sentence as well. It's not you, it's me. That's why I left. (laughs) (laughs) And and Brett was so prepared. I'll get water. (laughs) So, uh, so, so Brenna, uh, what have we done wrong? Look, you actually haven't done too much wrong. So, elephant stamp for you all. Autumn Reza, who is in um, the Last Last Resort. I uh, just wanted to let you know that she played Taylor Townsend in the OC. I know. Oh, yuck. My most hated of characters. She does a lot of acting in that as well. Oh, I know. There's so many great... Again, there's so many great actors and so, so many great characters in the OC. And then uh, <laughs> there's some some horrible stuff there as well. I just... Oh, so, look, I'm with you. I, I can't watch just for that fact that... She tried to break up Seth and, Seth and Summer. There's no ever coming back from that. Josh, you were talking about um, deploying nuclear warheads, and I, I was. Yeah, I, was, I often am. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what they call you, Josh. Nuclear warhead deploying canal. Um, <laughs> it's, and, it's catchy. And I, um, I looked it up, and and it's called the the security device is actually called a PAL. It's a permissive action link. Oh. Yeah. So I thought that was quite, you know, fitting. Like no friend would ever let you deploy a nuclear warhead without proper going through the proper procedures. I, I like that. Also, it's, it's so chumpy you could carve it. 
<laughs> oh, no, wait, that's Trump. That's... Damn it! Its purpose is to prevent unauthorised arming or detonation of the nuclear weapon. I think that's important. Mm. I think that's too important for a three-letter acronym. I think, yeah. You don't want, like, the work experience kid being like, no, you can't touch the button. Like, some pimply <laughs> 14-year-old guy that's like, no, don't touch that. No, don't. No, seriously, don't. Oh, man, I'm not going to get fired. For, I'm not even getting paid. Worst work experience ever. <laughs> Any, anything else? Have we strayed it elsewhere? Not really. Uh, you, you, well, you were very – you were mean about Scott Speedman, who was a dreamboat. So, you know, don't be mean to the dreamboats. I wasn't, I wasn't mean to – You just... said that he did – all he did was Felicity and then you were like, oh, and then he just turned up in a submarine. All right, all right. So I also know he did some vampire werewolf show. Yeah, Underworld. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in a beautiful film called My Life Without Me, or Life Without Me, um, which was stunning. And he's done some good things. So just lay off the speed. Lay off the speedo. (laughs) Scotty Speedo, as I like to call him, is a close personal friend of mine. I've, I've been put in my place. Yeah, mm-hmm. put, thank, thank you very much, Brenda. That, that, that's places we have strayed. That <laughs> places you have strayed. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode three hundred and twenty-one. I want to say thank you very much to Brendan Roberts for uh, just being such an excellent guest donor and uh, an all-round nice guy. No, thanks a lot, and thanks for doing the show. You've introduced me to so many good shows that you've added years to my viewing. Oh well, th- thank you. So uh, that 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 means a lot, and uh, hope you have many many years to continue that viewing, and that television lasts all of those years. I'm uh, I'm skeptical myself. Not Channel Nine, but the others will be. The others, the others will be fine. The others will be fine. Strongest balanced budget <laughs> in the industry. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Glenn. Save Pakistan, Peters. I'm Brenna. Don't stray in that area, Courtney Glazebrook. I'm Brendan. I don't have anything to put in the middle, Roberts. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful. My name is is Brendan Roberts, and I donated to the Box Cutters South by Southwest Fund. This episode of Box Cutters was produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and Glenn Peters. Brett Cropley makes everyone sound good. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is fat and happy from meat and also runs our servers. John Richards edits the show with grace. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. If you enjoyed this show, just tell three friends about this show and help them enjoy it. If that's too hard, you can always go to boxcutters.net slash donate and actually give them money to shut them up like I did. It didn't work, but I live in hope. Brett, that's probably the best reading of the credits we've we've ever had. I was transported there. I, I was taken <laughs> was, back to... Remember when Darren Hinch had a TV show? Yes. Remember when Darren Hinch read our credits? Wasn't yeah, was, as good as that. That was right up there with the bust out the beans ad. That it was, was, it was for just voice talent. Ex- extraordinary. Extra- you know what? It's uh, There is only... There's only one person... I, I can think of who has a better voiceover than, uh, really? than Brendan Roberts. You can, yeah. you can think of somebody else. I, I can think of just one person. Who? He's here right now. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>